we're here to pump you up. <laughs> Awesome. Card is. How are you, sir? I'm good. <laughs> thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to get to talk about a little bit of uh, exercise that you do in the cold months. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you live in Michigan, you got to make uh, good use of the uh, of the weather that we have. Otherwise, you go a little stir crazy staying inside all winter. <laughs> it is a long winter. Not quite as bad as the great, great white north, but uh, I sympathize having... I, fi- I finally realized today I lived in Michigan 50 years. It was exactly 50 years that I've lived there. So wow. I was just taking a walk. I'm like, all right, and that's a wrap. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see how the Yankees in the South do, so... Yeah, I didn't realize you were so old. Yeah, well, that's beside the point. We're going to have to trim this part out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Brad Smith. So, here on this episode of Beyond My Day Job, as I ask all my guests, what's your day job? Uh, My day job. Uh, So, I work for Experian, and uh, most specifically, I work within the automotive business unit of Experian, uh, where I work in a uh, product management capacity, uh, leading the uh, statistical products, uh, as well as our credit uh, products that are delivered in the automotive vertical. Okay. And how... um... How long have you been doing that? I was laughing, so I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. How long have you been doing that, roughly? Uh, you know, I've been with Experian for uh, over six years now, uh, but I've been largely doing the same type of work uh, for the last 20-plus years. Uh, here, just a couple seconds ago, I was making jokes about you being old, <laughs> and then I throw out the fact that I've been doing the same job for basically 20 years, and I suddenly feel very old. Oh, that's why I was laughing, because I was thinking, <laughs> you've been doing this a while. <laughs> uh, yes, I have. Uh, you know, I, I added in, when I joined Experian uh, six years ago, I, I started getting some experience on the credit side of the business. And it's, it's been really great uh, to add that uh, to my uh, to my resume because so much of my uh, early experience in the automotive industry was based on service and parts. Uh, mm-hmm. So after sales yes. type stuff. And then, uh, you know, working uh, where you and I first met at RL Polk and Company, uh, working yep. with the registration data and getting more focused on, on new vehicle sales and, and all the metrics that go along with that. And then uh, adding in, you know, over the last several years, um, you know, credit and financing, uh, it's opened up a whole new side of the automotive industry to me. I'm, I'm spending a lot more time now with the lenders where I previously spent more time with the manufacturers. Uh, and it, it's been great. Uh, it's been energizing and, and really opened up my eyes to to a whole new side of the automotive industry. Well, I love your energy level. And um, I got to believe your your passion for that translates to kind of your hobby that we'll talk about Um and just kind of knowing what you've been able to do professionally, but as I like to think, right, work is part of life, 
work is not life. So it's a uh, live hard, work hard, Bonnie. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, I, I tell people all the time, it's, uh, I don't, uh, I don't live to work. Uh, I work so I can live. And, right. uh, I have a lot of hobbies and a lot of interests, uh, outside of work. And I've been uh, fortunate enough to, uh, to, you know, make enough, uh, of an income and make enough of a life that, to be able to, you know, afford some of those hobbies and, uh, you know, skiing being one of them, it is, it is not a cheap sport. And, uh, I've been able to, uh, you know, take my family on some great trips, uh, through that sport. And, um, it's been fun, you know, it, it's, you, know, you gotta have fun. You gotta smile to get through life. Uh, otherwise all the stress of work isn't, uh, isn't worth it. So let's so let's talk about skiing. So we're not talking snowboarding. We're talking two skis, one on each foot. No boards, yes. right? No boards. We, you know, when snowboarding was really starting to make its way to the Midwest in the uh, in the you know early or late eighties, uh, early nineties, we had all kinds of jokes, and there were a lot of resorts that just wouldn't even let snowboards on the hill, and I think there's still a few. Hmm. Uh, where where that that don't even allow snowboards, but in reality, um, you know, as as we used to 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 joke and, and to tease snowboarders, uh, they've been really good for uh, for winter sports in total. Uh, it's gotten a whole new uh, group of people uh, involved in the sport. Right. You know, you look at uh, uh, guys like Sean White, that, yes. uh, you know, great greatest snowboarder in the world, and, and is also a very accomplished skateboarder. And brought a lot of skateboarders, you know, a predominantly Southern California activity, yep. uh, you know, to the mountains and, and got these guys engaged in, in mountain activities. And so I, I, I can't say a bad thing about snowboards or snowboarders in general. Um, I have a lot of friends that ride snowboards and, uh, and I go, you know, I take my trips out West and, and a lot of my skiing in Michigan, uh, I do with guys on snowboards and, and we get along just fine. Okay. It's kind of like the little bit of the fun rivalry between bikers, mountain bike versus the roadies. So absolutely. Yeah. Like much much akin to that. Yeah. Yeah, American League, National League, right? Yeah, Correct. you can look at it from baseball, and you know, you can look at it from from any perspective that you want. It's you know, using the same um, same resort, same hill, same geography, I guess, yep. uh, and uh, and just taking a different approach to it. And, right. and with with skiing, there's so many different uh, types of skiing, and, and snowboard is really just another another one of those. Okay, Brad, so what type of skiing do you really prefer? Because there's all kinds of variations of downhill and cross-country skiing. So um, hit us quick with what your preferences are when you get on the skis. Yeah, that's not an easy question, Lonnie. That's not something I can answer quickly. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, if you would have asked me this question when I was, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, I would have said mogul skiing. Um, you know, cause I, I mogul. just, I loved mogul, I, I loved mogul skiing back in the day. Moguls are, are like mounds of snow that are on the hill. Uh, and you basically just hammer a path down through them, uh, as quickly as possible. Okay. And, and, and mogul skiing is an Olympic sport. Uh, and typically a mogul skiing, uh, there'll be two jumps, uh, so you'll have to, you know, do a trick and you get, uh, rated based on how quickly you navigate the course. 
uh, how, how big your airs are, your jumps, and then uh, the style associated with the tricks that you do once okay. you're in the air. Uh, and, the, and there's a, so there's a, a rating system and, and, and you get, um, um, you know, points based upon that. So when I was younger, for me, it was always about mogul skiing. And then um, our high school had a ski team and it was racing. Uh, so slalom and giant slalom. Mm. And so, to, to, you know, to, to have a mechanism to get up to the ski hill every day, you join the ski team and <laughs> you, you, you went to practice, you know, during those couple hours and you try to sneak away and hit some jumps and, and get some mogul skiing in when you could. Um, but now, if you were to ask to get back to your question, the rapid fire question, uh, if I were to say, what kind of skiing do I, do I enjoy most now? Um, it's, it's really just skiing, just getting out on the hill. Um, I prefer to put my giant slalom skis on, um, okay. giant slalom skis have a, a larger turn radius. Uh, so they're bigger turns across the hill, so are they faster longer? turns. Are they longer or shorter? Uh, they're, they're slightly longer. Yes. Uh, than, than the slalom ski. Uh, so for, for example, um, when I raced in high school, uh, I, I skied on the same ski for slalom and giant slalom, and they were 208 centimeters long. Okay. And then sometime in the early, late 90s, early 2000s, uh, the skiing industry kind of went through this evolution, and they, they created what they call parabolic skis, which are uh, wider at the tip, uh, narrower uh, underfoot, and then wider again at the tail. So uh, it becomes a shaped ski. Got it. Yep. And uh, which is different than the old straight skis that were 208 centimeters that we used to ski on. So now for uh, slalom, I ski on a 165 centimeter ski. And for giant slalom, I ski on a 185 centimeter ski. Um, so you, you get you know two, 20 centimeters difference in length, and the side cut is different. Uh, the solemn ski really is a quick side cut, uh, you know, so you're, you're, you're making a, a quick short radius turn, like a, a, you know, a nine to a 13 meter radius turn. Yep. And on a jolly solemn ski, you're like, you know, 18 to 21 to sometimes 27 uh, meter radius turn. Uh, so bigger turns, uh, faster turns. Uh, and, and that's really for me anymore is just getting on those GS skis and just making big, fast turns down the hill. It's just so much fun. So you raced in high school. Um, you've been in some competitions post high school. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So it's a uh, you know when I started skiing uh, when I was about thirteen years old, and there was a lot of kids that had a lot more experience than I did, and I just loved the sport and 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 really kind of took after it and and had some success uh, racing in high school. And then after high school, I went into the United States Air Force, and I was stationed uh, in Europe. And there were uh, some tournaments uh, available for military personnel. And I was able to go in one, uh, one of those tournaments. And I got to ski in Garmisch-Partenkirchen, Germany. Uh, so it's in the Bavarian Alps, uh, south of Munich in Germany. And I got to ski in a tournament uh, that uh, slalom was the first day, giant slalom was the second day. And uh, the third day, there was a, a dual slalom. And uh, I finished uh, second place in slalom. And uh, third place in giant slalom. And then uh, I had to, I uh, had another commitment and I wasn't able to stay for the third day, but hey, I skied in a tournament in Germany and I got uh, <laughs> second place in one event, third in another event. And I felt pretty accomplished about that. So it was pretty cool. I wasn't skiing against the elite athletes in the world, right. but uh, hey, I, uh, I brought home some hardware and race in Germany. <laughs> You 
had mentioned you got some swag or got hooked up with some gear at one point. Yeah, I did. So um, when I after I, I came home from the Air Force, I you know I came back and and settled in my hometown and uh, kind of got reacclimated. And and one of the I you know took a job you know working full time, and then uh, I was a single guy, and so oh, I, I, you know, I went to ski and wanted to ski for free. So I took a job uh, being a ski instructor. And a ski instructor, it's almost like volunteering in a way. Uh, you really don't make any money. You can make some money, but, uh, you know, it's really, you're out there because you love the sport and you want to ski for free. Yeah. And uh, so in doing that, um, I, you know, I was single and didn't have much else to do. And I love skiing. So I spent a lot of time at the hill and uh, I would pick up lessons when and where I could. I would uh, you know, run gates, you know, and, and train uh, when and where I could. And I was still jumping and skiing moguls at the time. And um, I had a, I had spent some time working at a local ski shop uh, before I went into the Air Force. Yeah. And uh, the uh, rep from the line skis uh, approached the owner and he said, hey, we need somebody out about Holly skiing on our gear. Do you know anybody? And he's like, you got to talk to Brad. And so I, I talked to him and they uh, they paid for me to go up to Boy Mountain uh, and ski their entire line of skis. Wow. Um, I had a great day, you know, free lift ticket, you know, just get, you know, you, you know, go and take, you know, three or five or 10 runs on a pair of skis and come down and they'll click you out of a pair of skis and size you up for another pair and send you on your way. And so skied their entire line of skis. And at the end of the day, they said, which pair do you want? And I said, I want that pair. And, uh, about <laughs> I don't know, several months later before the next ski season those skis arrived on my doorstep okay. i didn't pay a dime for them wow um so he, this is the crazy thing about this though so it was a really cool experience and and, and, and I, I i i'm lucky that i had that opportunity it was kind of the right place right time kind of deal and um uh, that winter that i that i got the equipment they're like hey you know you'll be out there be skiing on a gear you know skiing a couple tournaments you know just you'll be out and be visible i'm like yeah no problem well, I met my wife uh, prior to that winter, um, so I started spending all of my time with her and not skiing. Uh, so obviously, that uh, little hookup that I had didn't get renewed. No, hold on, I hold, on, hold, really... on hold on, hold on. Did you meet your wife before the skis arrived at your doorstep after being on them the prior winter? Uh, I got the skis and then met my wife. Got it. Okay. I was trying yep. to see if one yeah, ruined so, the other. Sorry. Yeah. No. So well, and I was at the time. Uh, I was spending, I, I'd get my job changed and I was now spending my winters in Arizona um, working. Mm. So I worked at the General Motors Proving Grounds and I was, I was test driving cars and we couldn't test drive cars, you know, in Michigan, you know, if the tracks all snow covered. Right. So we would go out in that particular winter. I had agreed to, to spend, stay in Arizona the entire winter there again. I was, you know, kind of a single guy and, you know, I was bouncing back and forth uh, between Arizona and Michigan as my schedule permitted. But the long and short of it was I got free equipment, um, had a job change, met my wife, didn't ski um, much. Uh, you know, I got out a few times. Mm -hmm. uh, but then my wife and I had our daughters, uh, you know, almost shortly after that, you know, within the next, I, I think the following winter or maybe the winter after that, we had our oldest daughter. Okay. And, uh, and then I didn't ski at all. Uh, and then the skis changed. So I had this situation where, the equipment changed. Those skis that they gave me yep. within three years were completely useless okay, I was gonna, because they okay. were, they, they were 205 centimeter long straight skis. 
I took three years off while my kids were three or four years off while my kids were little. And then I came back and all the equipment had changed. Um, and it, had I stayed with Elon uh, and, and kept that relationship up, I probably could have gotten gear for my kids, you know, on the cheap. Right. Uh, and I didn't. I had to pay for it all out of pocket, uh, which got very, very expensive. Um, and, and then I had, I had to re-outfit myself with, with gear. Uh, and my wife, because everything had changed. And so this, this little hiatus that I took, you know, as, as you know, my life was evolving, it was like the entire ski industry kind of evolved at the same time and changed. Uh, you know, it was, it was completely different from when I came back because now everyone's on these, you know, short skis, you know, it used to be kind of be like a, a bragging, right? It's like, Oh, I'm, I'm skiing on 208. So what are you on? Oh, I'm on 198. So oh, you can't handle the big guys. Eh? Uh, and, and, it, and it changed from kind of being this, this bragging point of how long your skis were to uh, now all of a sudden it didn't matter. It was just like, you got to get shaped skis because it, it just doesn't matter. It's so much easier to ski on these shaped skis. And it really is. Got it. Brad, you had a family, your uh, girls kind of put you on a little bit of a hiatus as you just shared but you got back into it in a coaching capacity, which is kind of the heart of what I want you to really share with us based on what you got to interact with. So um, tell us about the coaching now that your kids are growing up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it was um, kind of a unique thing. One of the guys I raced with in high school, he and I were racing in the, uh, the beer league that I referenced and uh, he got approached uh, to become the head coach of uh, the ski team that he and I both skied uh, for uh, several years prior. Mm. And he looked at me and he said, you know, if I, you're my assistant. And, <laughs> uh, and I kind of laughed, but I, I knew I was done for uh, because my girls uh, are the so same. He's, he's, he's telling you he's uh, going to so, want you as, as an assistant. Yeah, he's he's telling me if he gets this job that you know he's bringing me along sure. and, it, and it made sense my oldest daughter was a year older is is a year older than his oldest daughter and then there's my youngest daughter and then his youngest daughter and then he's got another son that's yet yep. even younger so i kind of knew that if he had committed to this i was getting roped in <laughs> for a number of reasons i mean one our families have had skied together since the girls were little they'd all ski together. You know, we would take these big family trips and vacations together. So my kids were skiing with his kids. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and now they're going to jump into racing. And I had all this experience in racing, uh, you know, because I had grown up, you know, being a part of the sport and, and had been an instructor and, and had competed yeah. in, in different events. And so I, it was like, all right, I guess I'm in. And so the very first thing I did um, yeah, I'd been, I'd been back skiing for probably, I don't know, five or eight years, uh, before the, the kids started to get into racing and this coaching opportunity popped up. So the very first thing I did was, uh, get engaged with the U S uh, ski and snowboard, uh, association and, and ski team, uh, and go through their coaching certification. So I went through the coaching, uh, certification that, uh, the U S ski team coaches do, yeah. and there's different levels. There's a level 100, level 200, level 300, uh, coaching certification. So I went through and I, you know, I did the, uh, the level 100, uh, certification and got that. And then, uh, did some of the work for the level 200, um, and then decided that, you know, between, you know, 
my my profession and, and all the time traveling and, and, and late nights working and trying to coach that I didn't need to be uh, the world's best ski coach. And I didn't need to get all the certification credentials and, and what I had, the credentials that I had was far, was, was a lot more than a lot of okay. people had in our area. Um, so I, I felt at an advantage anyway. And, uh, and we were following the USC team curriculum very closely as we started to develop okay. our athletes. Let me ask you something just from a, so, so what's a real obvious thing? Well, maybe not so obvious, but a big impact as a coach that they train you on so i'm thinking like okay he knows how to ski he knows the mechanics you know maybe you know some of the racing strategies that you're going to impart but what is this you know without going through the whole curriculum what what's something that you got after going through the u.s ski and snowboard associations training what like what's what else would not be obvious to you having been pretty much a skier most of your adolescent and teen and you know younger years there, there's a, there's a lot of things with rules, uh, and and the rules become very important uh, when okay. you're at that level. Uh, so, like when when you're just skiing, um, there'll be a course that is set, and so a lot of people will say, oh, there's poles, so you got to ski around the red and blue poles. Uh, well, those yep. we call them gates, uh, and, and so a course is set, and you know, a slalom course has certain requirements, and GS a giant slalom course has different requirements. And those courses get set. And as a skier, you just, you look at it, you know, it's either slalom or giant slalom and you know which skis you have on. So you know how, how well you're going to be able to ski it if you have your slalom skis on or your giant slalom skis. And you do need a different set of skis to effectively compete in those events. Uh, so as, a, as an athlete, you just know the course and you're just navigating through it. But, you know, from a coaching perspective, you need to know the rules. Uh, you know, how far apart should those mm-hmm. gates be set? Uh, and you're also, you want to look to see where you might need B-net uh, and B-net is, is the that orange net. lattice so, stuff you see on the side yes. of the, of the path. Exactly. And, and so a lot of times you know, what you're looking at is where you have a turn set up and, and where the energy of that turn, uh, is forcing the skier to go. And if they happen to lean mm-hmm. into the turn, they're going to, their energy is going to push them away from the turn. So you're looking to see, okay, are there any lift towers there? Are there any fences or, or obstacles that we then need to protect? We need to protect the athlete by setting up a B net. So if they go off course, they'll ski yeah. into that and, and that net will catch them and absorb the energy okay. and, and protect All right. them. Is it, what's it say? Is it V as in V? No, B, B, B like B boy. Net. Okay. What's the B stand yeah. for? Uh, I don't know. Backup, I thought, maybe. <laughs> uh, 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 I probably should know. I, I think it'd I be don't. cool if it's V net for like velocity net or something. Oh yeah, yeah. I always, you know, I just it, it, it's B like right. backup. You know. <laughs> okay. All right. So you've really part of your training. You had to have a more discerning eye and be able to weigh in to say, "Hey, wait a minute. We've got to protect the racers. We we have to." you know, know the rules, you know, it's, um, okay, now I get it. So it's kind of more the, uh, more yeah. the, the, the game day race day type of things that you have to be, have a better eye for. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's amazing, uh, you know, when, when there's a prize at stake, it, it's amazing the types of things that, that people will, will bring up, uh, to try to ensure that, that their child or their athlete, you know, wins the prize or, or okay. gets first place. And, 
so there's a there's a there's a lot of uh, rules meetings uh, and, and rules discussions that happen. Uh, you know, both prior to race day and on race day. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> um, now you did get a chance to coach your daughters, correct? I did. Yep. I, uh, I coached both of them for uh, all four years that they were in okay, high school. Uh, and there were, so it was six years in total. And so for two of the years, I had oh, cool. both of my daughters uh, on the team. Yeah, so how did that go? Cool. Like, dad, like, were they excited or like, oh, no. Well, you know, it was, we, we always started ski. We always skied. Uh, so when I, when the kids were little, I would, I would take them out to the hill and let them walk around and, you know, and, and ask them, Hey, do you want to do this? And they'd be like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. And then finally, when they were like, when my oldest was like four, we got her on skis and my youngest was like three. Uh, and we, we walked around, but we just skied. We didn't race. And it was really my wife that kind of pushed him into racing. Uh, Cause I didn't want to push him into it because I didn't want to be, you know, over the top ski dad, you know, that, you know, was trying to relive right. some lost glory or, or something like that. Uh, and so my wife kind of steered them down that path and, and both girls took to it really well. Uh, they were, they were good skiers cause we just, we did a lot of free skiing, which is better for development of a ski racer, okay. I think in the long term. And then, uh, and then we started to, to get into the ra- racing and, and, um, the girls kind of took to it a little slow. They were a little cautious, a little apprehensive. Um, but I've seen this so many times with so many athletes once they start to get a little confidence, they start to look around them and, and they, they don't like being beat by hmm. certain kids. So they start to naturally elevate their game and they start to just decide where they're going to fall in the pecking order. Uh, and so for our program, uh, for a high school program uh, to, be, to race varsity, uh, it was the top six kids okay. on the team. Well, we had it. So for top six boys, top six girls were varsity. Uh, and then your next six were, were uh, yes. junior varsity. And we had, you know, there were some years we had close to 40 kids on the team. <laughs> so uh, so team for the balance, you, know, you get... aren't in JV or varsity. So we, we did things to get them JV starts. Uh, so we had a lot of times we could start more than, so for JV, for giant slalom, we had a rule where we could start everyone. Because um, our program was bigger than other programs in the division. Some programs, some local programs don't even have a JV team. Some, some can barely field okay. a, a varsity team. Um, but we had really been focused on getting kids started yeah. when they were in middle school yep. uh, for our program, getting them in, getting, getting them some gate training, which is hard for kids to actually get really good, decent gate training uh, prior to high school. It's, it's almost non-existent in Michigan unless you're you know, part of an elite okay. racing program. So, you know, we tried to do things to get middle schoolers engaged. And it was, for us, it worked because our kids, you know, were in the, So like when my oldest daughter was a, was a freshman, my youngest daughter was in seventh grade. So, you know, she was out there already. So it was like, hey, bring your friends, you know, let's get yeah. into a course. And uh, during that same time, we were working with uh, one of the local race teams and coaching with them as well. Uh, so I was, I was kind of doing that as, as a volunteer deal on Thursdays and Saturdays, you know, we just, for the local, uh, local resort, you know, we'd set gates and, and, and coach and kids on races. Uh, and there were some kids that I, I started coaching when they were like, I don't know, fifth or sixth grade, you know, and they graduated yeah. this year, you know, so, so I, I watched them, 
you know, just evolve over time and, and, and correct bad habits and, um, you know, just, just watch them mature, not only as an athlete, yeah. but as a human as What's well. What's to your knowledge or awareness, how far have some of the kids that you've coached gone to your, to, if you've got any, any, anyone stand out, anyone, you know, go beyond the high school competition, really stayed with it? Yeah, so we had uh, one student athlete uh, that was, she was the, the same age as my daughter. And uh, she, as a sophomore, uh, won the state championship okay. in slalom. And as a senior, uh, won the state championship in giant slalom. Uh, and when she finished the state championship in giant slalom, her competitive skiing career was hmm. basically over. Uh, so here you have some a kid that's a two-time state champion uh, and doesn't really have, you know, any opportunities uh, to ski uh, beyond that. Uh, and the reason being is that, like, uh, she, she ultimately went to the University of Colorado mm-hmm. at Boulder, um, didn't ski. Um, but, you know, like, if you look at, at, at University of Colorado, the scholarships that they have for skiers are typically going to uh, – athletes that are on the European yeah, national teams, dang. you know, so, wow. you know, it's, uh, but, but, uh, you know, this kid won every race, uh, all four years, but to me, the thing that was, was, I don't know what the right word is, but, um, her freshman year, she was leaps and bounds uh, ahead of everyone, uh, everyone that she, no one could even get close to her really. Maybe one or two girls could get close. And she would was blowing away my oldest daughter uh, okay. by a long ways. By the time my oldest daughter was a senior uh, and competing against this girl, and she was right behind her. She didn't beat her, but she was really darn close. And that that was the level of confidence. That was the growth you know, right. that, that I saw in my own kid. And I've seen in other kids that, hey, it, it doesn't matter who you put at the top. Everyone is always trying to get there. And that top, that, that, that person at the, at the top of the mountain or the North star, whatever you want to call it, everyone is competing to try to get to that level and get and working to get better yep. and better and better. And, it, and the small successes that they get on the, along the way, build confidence and they build character. Uh, and, and it was amazing to me just to, to see the growth uh, in my daughter, you know, through the sport, uh, you know, it's just, That's cool. it's just amazing. I like that. Let me ask just as a dad watching your girls on the hill coming down however many miles an hour, what's the coolest, most happiest moment you've witnessed with either or both of them? And what's the scariest moment you've witnessed with either or both of them? Uh, so the, uh, so the, the coolest thing, uh, yeah, this uh, one of the greatest things that ever happened in my life. Uh, wow. I get emotional talking about it e- even now. Um, so my buddy that went on to become the, the, the ski coach mm-hmm. and brought me along when we were seniors in high school, we had a really good, actually from the time we were sophomores in high school, there was a group of five or six of us that were racing varsity and, and we were good. And we thought by the time we were seniors, we we're going to go to the state finals okay. as a team. And, um, so that day comes and we don't, you know, I messed up. I was in sixth place after my first run and, you know, messed up on my second run and the whole team imploded. We didn't make it. So fast forward, 
um, several years later. So I graduated in mm -hmm. 1991. So you fast forward to 2019. My youngest daughter is a senior. My buddy's youngest daughter mm -hmm. is a junior. And they show up for regionals and they qualify for the state finals. So, yeah. you know, is it something that, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you, it, it eats at you. It, it ate at me for years. It's like, oh my God, I was in sixth place, you know, and I was having such a good run. My second run, I just made one small mistake, you know, and it's, uh, you know, there's the Robin Williams movie where he's, uh, they go back and they play a football oh, game yes. when they were older in life yes. with Kurt Russell. Yes. <laughs> It, it always kind of reminded me of that, you know, it's like Robin Williams, he drops the pass in high school and he gets a chance when he's a 35 year old man and, you know, he catches I it remember. and win the game. Uh, so it's, you know, yeah, I always kind of had that feeling in the back of my head, uh, you know, but you don't get a chance to, re no. to relive it, you know, it's, it's, so you can't have that day again, but to watch uh, my daughter and my buddy's daughter and, and have he and I be the coaches at the time and, and our other coach, uh, Ken, um, it, it was, it just, Awesome. And, um, but, you know, and, and for my youngest daughter, it was really a crowning achievement because when she was a freshman, uh, and I'll answer your, your, no, your second good. question there, the, the terrifying part, um, she, uh, when she was a freshman, she was really good. And we're like, you know, this kid's going to do great things, you know, on the ski hill. And so at the time, uh, my oldest daughter was on the team. We had the girl that was two-time state champion on the team. We had several other girls on the team that were really good. And uh, my my youngest had had, had a wreck uh, and uh, skied out, skied out of a course, uh, hit a rut, skied out of a course, and uh, skied into a tree. Um, and uh, you know we had to get her carted uh, off the hill, um, take her into you know it's ski patrol, you know, sled, ambulance to the hospital, uh, the whole thing. And then, uh, so she, uh, she gets and this, this was right after she had a concussion, you know, like two weeks prior, she was right back on the hill right after having a concussion. So then every race, every, every run, and it's not every race, it's every practice run. And these kids are getting 20 runs in, 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 a night in practice. And every time they're running giant slalom, cause giant slalom okay. is faster, they're bigger turns and you're just you know, terrified oh. watching them. And the worst part about being a coach is you can look at the course, the way it's set, and you can, you know, where the trouble spots are going to be either because there's, you know, a big sheet of ice, you know, at the bottom of one turn or this turn is set on a, on a funny, you know, way mm -hmm. that the hill is, uh, you know, it's kind of off canter and you know, it's going to throw these kids across the hill and you just sit there just absolutely <laughs> terrified you know, waiting for these kids to come down. And, and, you know, the case of my, my youngest daughter, who is a very skilled skier, uh, you know, I, I watched her crash oh. three times, you know, and you're just, you're, you're standing at the top and you're like, just make it right. down. You know, you, your, your first reaction is just make it down. Uh, you know, just be safe. And, and there were, there was conversations that I had with my kids. I had them with the whole team, you know, with certain course sets. It's like, Hey, listen, don't try to be faster here. Right. Just stand up. You know, because every, every other kid is going to fall down. So, you you know, keep your shoulders flat coming through this turn. You know, make sure you get the pressure on the front of your foot. Get through that turn, then pick up speed and, and go the rest of the way. Oh, a concussion. And then they carried her off the hill two weeks later. 
Yeah, and then uh, and then one year later, uh, we were at an invitational race in uh, in in almost the same exact spot that they you know had to carry her off the hill. She had another <laughs> blowout and uh, and twisted her oh. knee. So uh, so you know, and that happened really early in her career, and it and, you know made her a little you know she was always a little apprehensive after that. But what she did, so you know, from from her perspective, she didn't have you know necessarily the same accomplishments. Other than the fact that, you know, her team got to the state finals and she was, you know, probably the most consistent skier that we had that year because she finished every race. She wasn't always the fastest, but she always finished. And uh, her senior year, state finals, she finished two runs of slalom and two runs of giant slalom. Perfect. You know, just just didn't miss a beat. You know, finished the run. She wasn't the fastest. Uh, She wasn't the slowest, but she wasn't the fastest. But, you know, she scored for the team. Uh, the same way she did every right. race that year. Oh, that's cool. I love hearing parents being able to be with their kids and, you know, just, I don't know, influencing other kids around them too. So hopefully the parents appreciated you being on with them. Oh, oh, absolutely. We, we had a really great set of parents uh, that were re- really very generous. Uh, you know, they were always, you know, giving us gifts that were, you know, unnecessary, but appreciated <laughs> and, uh, and, you, and you find you bond with a lot of these kids and, and you become an influential yep. part of their life, you know, and uh, I, I still see these kids all over the place, you know, they're always coming up and saying hello. And uh, there's one young man who uh, this kid, he was, he was uh, an explorer on the fire department. So it's a explorer is a program where young, young men, like, you know, 13, 14, yep. 15 years old can, can work with the firemen and, and get exposed to, to fire operations and things like that. And uh, one young man, my dad's been a volunteer fireman for 38 years. And so there's one young man that I was aware of that was an explorer and he came out for the ski team and um, he was a really good skier, really fast. One of the best boy skiers mm-hmm. we ever had. Um, but he would get frequently sidetracked. Uh, so one day he showed up to practice late. We're like, Hey, what happened? He goes, Oh, I saw a car accident. So I stopped and helped. I'm like, Oh, well, that's a noble thing to do. You know, we can't, we can't harp on you about being late for practice for that. And then, uh, there was another time where I'm riding up the chairlift with him. There was a, he had just finished, uh, one of his race runs. Uh, he's riding the chairlift up to the top of the hill to do his second race run. It's the middle of a competition. He sees somebody kind of ski off path, you know, kind of into a fence and down into like a little ravine. And he just takes off to go help him. And I'm like, hold us on a second. There's two ski patrollers right there. They've got that situation right. under control. Let's shift your attention back to your race here and, uh, and get you, wow. get you settled in. And, um, but this kid was, was really good and, and really coachable. And, and he would find that he would get really anxious in the start gate. And so I talked to him one day, I was talking about, so like some breathing techniques, like some meditation type techniques, you know, you can kind of breathe in for two seconds and hold that for two seconds, then exhale for two seconds and hold the exhale for two seconds, just enough to try to get him to calm his heart rate down, you know, coming out the start gate. And he, this kid worked on that uh, for, you know, the second half of the season and ultimately got himself to the state finals that year, uh, which was a, a great accomplishment. And now here we are a few years later, uh, and that young man uh, just this year uh, started on the Bay City Police ah, Force. He's no now a police officer. Right? So, yeah, you know, this, uh, this helpful, you know, hand uh, help, you know, this kid with a, his eye right. on the community, 
uh, steps up and, uh, and, he's, and he's doing what he should be doing. That's protecting okay. the community. Love it. Okay, so closing question for you, Brad. Advice to someone thinking about taking up this sport. What uh, two do's, two, two things you would tell them to do and a couple things that you would tell them to not do. Yeah, so the number one most important thing is make sure you have boots that fit. Uh, too often, uh, people will be like, hey, let's go skiing. Uh, hey, my brother has equipment you can borrow. Uh, and people put on that equipment and mm. it's not the right size for them. Uh, so having you, you want to make sure that your boots fit well, uh, because, you know, that is your, your contact with the snow happens yeah. at your feet. Um, so you, you really need to be, you know, your body position, everything happens, uh, right there at your foot. Like me, I, I've skied for so long and, 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 you know, I'm so comfortable with it. I mean, I can tell if I'm putting too much pressure on my toes or too much pressure on my heels, I can feel where my weight is okay. on my foot. Um, but I'm paying that close attention to it. And, and, and the casual person that just comes out, they're just like trying to figure out, you know, right. how to even move with, you know, skis on their feet. Uh, and the best thing I can tell them, make sure you have, you know, the right equipment and, and most specifically, you know, boots that, that fit you. Um, and then after that, it's, it's really being in a normal athletic position. Uh, if you think about if you're a baseball player, the position that you would be in yep. when you play shortstop, you know, you're, you're hinged forward at the ankles. Or if you're a goalkeeper in soccer, you know, you're, you're, you flex forward at the ankle, that natural athletic position. That's the position you're in with skiing. The challenge with skiing is you're on a slope. And so instinctively, your brain wants you to put the brakes on. So it wants back, you to lean right. back, you know, put you, it, which is the exact opposite of what you should be doing. You should be making yourself perpendicular to the earth the same way you are okay. when you're standing. Wherever you are right now and you're standing, you're perpendicular right. to the earth. So now if I put you on that slope going downhill, you need to roll forward to maintain that perpendicular position to the earth. And then let everything. I've never heard it put that way, but that um, makes a lot of sense. 